0: Welcome to a special episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today we're joined by our current student physical therapist, Mara Argurio and she's all the way from the island of Cyprus. And Mara, I'm actually feeling a little extra Greek today. I had my halloumi uh, this morning with my breakfast, that, uh, that Cyprus cheese. I really appreciate that. That was, uh, that was awesome. Um, Thank you for that birthday gift, by the way. And today, uh, Mara is going to join us because she is doing her, her in-service today, and it's going to be on uh, the prevention of shoulder injuries and in tennis players. And really, it's going to be a conversation about overhead athletes as well, too. So figured we'd do it in this style because, you know, she could have talked in front of 15 staff members, but figured it'd be better to talk in front of 15,000 members of the audience. Right. so really excited about that, really pumped to get into it. But before we dive into that, we've got some big news. We have joined the Patreon, right? So you can find our page at patreon.com slash cases. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Patreon, what it is, it is, it's a membership platform for paid subscriptions. And before you get upset... We're not moving this podcast over to the Patreon, but instead we're offering exclusive content for our loyal listeners, people that wanna, you know, maybe dive in a little deeper into specific cases. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna continue to offer high-quality free content on this platform, right? iTunes, Spotify mainly, all the other platforms. But you know, I'm the capitalist physio. And what we're gonna do each week, Josh and I are gonna crack open our charts and discuss a case. And Josh and I are both full-time clinicians, we treat a lot of patients each week. And what we're going to do is dive into a case uh, uh, that was that was notable, right? Something that you know worked, worked really well, maybe something that worked, didn't work out so well. We're going to talk about what we did as far as assessments, treatment, kind of explain our thought process, and discuss um, you know how it went. So for five dollars a month, you're going to get access to this. And I know you don't want cookbook recipes for treating patients, but you really do, and that's what we're going to provide you with. And if you want detailed literature review of an article, uh, you know by now this ain't your podcast for that. So again, that's going to be patreoncom better, faster cases.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I think you and I and, and the clinicians that we have here, uh, we're talking about cases constantly and have time blocked out in our schedules to be able to talk about cases. So now it's a, an opportunity for us to expand that a little bit more and, and, and get feedback, too, from people outside uh, you know outside our walls. So it's a great chance to continue that conversation and, and talk about some some pretty cool presentations that, w- that we get in here.
0: Absolutely. So, Mara, welcome. Uh, would you mind just starting out by getting the listeners a little bit up to speed about who you are, you know where you're from, and and your expertise kind of in this tennis world.
2: Hey guys, thank you for having me. I'm super excited um, to dive into this topic. Uh, my name is Mara, and those of you who don't know me, I've played tennis my whole life since I was five. Um, I came to the states at 16 to play college tennis, and I'm super excited to dive into this topic, talking about the overhead athlete, about the tennis player specifically. Um, it's something I'm super passionate about. So I think this will be a good run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Marla, you played at the College of Charleston too, right? That's pretty interesting, right? Coming from those beautiful beaches of Cyprus all the way to South Carolina. I love my state, but I mean, I know Folly Beach is a lot different from what I see whenever I Google Cyprus.
2: (laughs) Yeah. uh, For those of you who don't know, Cyprus is tiny. Um, Look it up on Google Maps. You'll have to zoom in um, a couple times to find it, but the beaches are beautiful and they do not compare to the beaches of South Carolina
0: <laughs> and it's not Greece just you know yeah. I I, read, I said that earlier in my intro. it's not Greece but I understand like we've been talking a lot about food right it's what we do at this clinic uh, we eat a lot yeah. and so that's where the kind of halloumi came in and, and you know talking about like y'all share a lot of the same cuisine and a lot of the culture as well yep. too from yes. what I understand
2: yeah, yeah for sure
0: awesome so, so Mar, um, let's let's get into this topic a little bit. So you know your, your tennis background, you know I, I would consider you the expert, right because you've been in this your whole life and you know you know things, you know the, the, the language, the culture, the etiquette, all of the above. So um, I imagine that probably influenced your decision to want to pick this for your Capstone project when you're in school, correct?
2: For sure. yeah, I think um, just having the background um, makes it so much easier to relate to patients and for buy-in. Um, kind of like, I guess you guys in CrossFit. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely makes it a lot more fun whenever you're, you're passionate about what you do and, you know, you have a lot of experience and you're able to kind of display that. And I think with your patients, they, they will, they will sort of buy into it. They believe you, right. If they kind of trust that, you know, what you're doing as far as that goes, um, so kind of just going, you know, I know we have, uh, the, the PowerPoint in front of us right now. So, um, what is kind of the main idea of what we want to talk about today in terms of you know in- injury prevention you know, or prevention of shoulder injuries with this population? I mean, I got to think that we probably want to lay down a little bit of background information first and kind of talk about what a presentation is with that and then kind of establish what that avatar is, that typical patient that might be coming through with some type of a shoulder injury, and then maybe we can go from there.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. And then also touch on kind of the phases of the tennis serve and what a PT wants to be looking at when they're observing the serve um, and then some risk fractures and screening strategies you can um, implement from there.
0: Sweet. Okay. So let's say we are a physical therapist, maybe even a coach that is associated with some PT clinic. You know, maybe you got a PT clinic, a physical therapist in your camp that you like to refer to. Why is this important? Why do we need to pay attention to this?
2: Um, So shoulder injuries are actually um, the second most frequent cause of injury in the professional, both female and male tennis players. Um, You see it so much, and I think it's um, not focused enough. Uh, Prevention isn't hard. Um, I think it can help a ton of players just keep going in their career, stay healthy, keep doing what they love. so I think it's important we focus on that to prevent um, delays, prevent the athlete having to get surgeries, um, stop their career, um, delay their career, and just keep going. To oh.
0: that's just, that, so that is interesting though. Do you, I mean, have you seen in you know growing up and playing the sport that? When people go down that road where they do have to get surgery, is it often career career ending for them? Because I know we see that with some baseball players too, whenever they, you know, some shoulder surgeries can honestly be the kiss of death for their career. Is that the same thing in tennis or is it it different?
2: Yeah, I've seen that a lot. I think, um, well, research itself um, shows that, you know, having a surgery, um, the players, it's really challenging for the players to get back to their pre injury level. They can get back to the sport, but they'll never reach. Um, or it's very challenging. I'll, I won't say never um, to reach that really high elite level, um, which is another reason why I think it's so important to focus on the prevention of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are some of the most common injuries that you see in this population?
2: Um, the first one actually is internal impingement. It's also known as uh, posterior impingement, and it's a result Um, It happens during the cocking phase of the serve or the cocking phase of the baseball pitch, and it's where the posterior surface of the greater tuberosity um, and the posterior surface of the labrum kind of contact during that phase, and that repetitiveness will cause um, the internal impingement. And then with that, one of the hallmarks of um, that injury is a posterior superior rotator cuff tears, and, which you'll mainly see during the deceleration phase of the serve mm-hmm. um, during, due to the high eccentric loads.
0: Gotcha. So I got to imagine that if, before we even go down this road, working with a patient with tennis, we got to know the sport. We got to at least be familiar with what a, a good serve is going to look like, right? So let's say this. Like, Say we wanted to figure out, like, you know, what is the perfect tennis serve? What is, like, the Scantron answer sheet, the standard, the gold standard want to compare it to? Who would be a good model for that? Who'd be like the, the best tennis player you can think of?
2: Me. Of yep, course. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yes. perfect. Yes. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I mean, the all-time classic has to be Roger Federer. Roger Federer, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, for sure. Sweet.
0: I had yeah. a feeling that was going to be the answer there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, after myself. Yeah. Okay, so will you two, Roger Federer, watch it in slow motion, kind of get an idea of what that consists of. But then if we wanted to break that down a little bit more, I mean, it looks like the, the this is there are a lot of phases of this, right? So you mind just talking a little bit about, kind of give us some basic bullet points about what those phases are?
2: Yeah, there's um, eight phases. Um, first phase is just the start phase where you load your body or you're just basically aligning your body to start the serve. Um, the second phase is the release phase, um, where you release the ball. Um, this phase is important because you want to have, you want to toss the ball in a way where you'll have ball contact at about a hundred degrees of shoulder abduction, um, to minimize impingement, um, The third phase is the loading phase, which is another important phase you want to look at because you want your athlete or your player um, to have enough front knee flexion to use their lower body um, and have an optimal leg drive to minimize the forces at the shoulder. Um, So you're looking at about um, 15 to 20 degrees there. Um, And then the cocking phase... Um, that's where most of your injury uh, actually occurs because that's when we talked about the impingement occurs um, and athletes and baseball players and tennis players will have up to 180 degrees of shoulder external rotation which is a lot. Um, And then you dive into the acceleration phase um, and then the contact phase, which we talked about, you wanna have that um, about 100, 110 degrees of shoulder reduction and then from there you move on to the deceleration phase which is another really important phase um, that we want to focus on during rehab or during prevention since there's just such high eccentric loads there and then finally the the last phase is just called finish where um, the player just um, gets ready to for the next um, stroke if the return comes back, which you you know you won't uh, usually have that when I'm serving.
0: Have you have you found anybody uh, since you've been in Columbia for this rotation that you can hang with, or that can hang with you? I should say.
2: I have not. Okay, oh, I have man. not. So, that, like,
0: are so you are
1: listening it? out there, if,
0: you know, yeah, play, please, play the
2: please contact me. <laughs> I am eager to get on court and play. Were we were uh, having a
0: conversation about that the other year. So like you were saying somebody was like, "Yeah, I want to play tennis with you." And you're like, "Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to rally with me." <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> It just wouldn't be fun for either of us.
0: Oh man! <laughs> well, and that's, again,
1: and and you can probably see a little bit why when you see how many you know phases are related, and how complicated and how technical you know even just the serve to get each point started is. And so um, I know when something that complex and that demanding, uh, you know, from an athletic standpoint, especially you see it in baseball players, there are definitely certain things that you could see as almost more risk factors for for you know uh, potential injury, right? Not necessarily guaranteeing there's going to be an injury, but when you have some of these demanding positions that you have to get into under high speeds and and, and a lot of acceleration through the ball, I'm sure there are probably some things that are are, are maybe, you know, risk factors for an injury in the shoulder. Can you talk a little bit about that or things that you see in this population that, you know, could be something you want to address?
2: Yeah, um, there are a few risk factors. I think there's three or four main risk factors that um, I like to address. The first one um, is total rotational motion. Or total Arc motion. Um, a lot of people will tell you that GERD, which stands for Colonial Humal Internal Rotation Deficit, is a bad thing and that um, you don't want to have too much ER. Uh, but, you know, the tennis player, the baseball player, like they will be asymmetrical and that's actually advantageous for them. You want, like, you almost want them to, to get that high speed. Um, and that higher level performance. So what I tend to look at is the total rotational motion. Um, So compare from throwing and the non-throwing shoulder. And for that, according to the literature, you want to have less than five degree difference from side to side. So that's one big thing I like to look at.
0: I think that's a, a really important topic, too, because that's something people probably take for granted if they haven't been around these sports before. Because if you compare that to an anatomy book which or a biomechanics book, which might say, oh, you need symmetry between these sides, you're, you're not expected to. And if you try to fix that and try to change that on somebody, you could potentially make them worse in some cases, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's where um, really knowing the topic and even playing the topic is just such an extra bonus. Yeah. Um, for that. Yeah,
1: you see that in pitchers all the time. They, they used to actually repair a lot of uh, you know slap tears and labral tears uh, you know early, you know, back, you know kind of earlier into those the surgeries when they when they were first coming out and they slowly realized that pitchers were coming back mm-hmm. uh, performing a lot worse mm-hmm. and that was actually an advantageous problem that they were never were having. So you're looking at it and you're like, "Oh, this doesn't look right," quote unquote, um, from a textbook, but man, this is part of the reason why this person can generate so mm-hmm. much force because they need that much layback. So right. it's I'm glad that, you kind of brought that up that we're really looking at the total motion here and and, and
0: symmet- symmetry between total motion on each side but so you you'd mentioned so just to kind of recap if someone does not meet that presentation and they are coming in with a problem they're coming in cinematic so no what, what were some reasons why they just kind of recap real quick about why they might not have what you're looking for you know that that significant lack in range of motion from side to side maybe more than that um five degree difference side to side
2: yeah, so um, you could have some uh, posterior capsular tightness. It could be uh, muscular tightness, uh, shortened uh, inferior glenohumeral ligament, all those uh, playing a role that you want to assess um, to target the right one. And then another thing that comes into play is um, rotator cuff and scap- scapular muscle weaknesses and imbalances, um, which is actually the second risk factor that I like to look at. Um, a lot of these players that are, um, that are prone to injury, will, you'll see um, weakness in their external rotator muscles and their scapular stabilizing muscles. So those um, scapular retractors especially. So that's another thing you really want to focus on during prevention and rehab.
1: Gotcha. And, you know, that kind of gets me into it. You mentioned kind of talking about the, the scap and stability and that kind of thing. And this is a big, uh, you know, thing, especially in the baseball world, talking about, you know, how is the scap moving, you know, and, and are we, is it, you know, moving well? Or are we getting enough upper rotation, this idea of, of dyskinesis and things like that? And can you kind of break that down a little bit and kind of what are you looking for in terms of, um, you know, scap positioning and, and how the scap moves when you're trying to evaluate somebody's shoulder?
2: Yeah, so um, ideally you want to see, you want to have the athlete perform uh, the overhead motion um, bilaterally and then compare how the scapula is moving. Um, as they're elevating the arm, you want to look out for um, just like m- winging of the medial border or the inferior scapula border. Um, just make sure it's symmetrical on both sides. It's not uncommon to see a little bit of symmetry, but If you're seeing like an excessive, you know, winging of the medial border, that's definitely something you want to address uh, since it can play a big role.
0: I totally agree on that too, because I think this is yet. Another one of those topics that has become somewhat polarizing in the PT world, there are some camps that say mm-hmm. scapular dyskinesis is normal, right? Asymmetry mm-hmm. is the norm. However, if this is creating a problem, right, it's creating symptoms, this is creating a performance issue, and you can quickly see some change whenever you try to modify some of those variables there, it's v- absolutely very relative and something that needs to be addressed and, and looked at. For sure.
2: Yeah, and then actually another thing that could be limiting that um, that um, optimal uh, shoulder elevation is thoracic mobility. And I know we've talked about this throughout my rotation, um, just looking at um, looking at how their uh, thoracic spine is moving and making sure they have enough thoracic mobility since that could drastically decrease their range of motion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing sometimes that's overlooked.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's a huge. It's a huge thing. I mean, if the if the T spine is not is not moving well, you know, it's going to affect how the scapula is moving. If the scapula is not moving well, it's going to affect the glenohumeral joint. It all. It's you know, we're working together here, and too often, sometimes we get so zeroed in on symptoms at the shoulder, and and, and so it's important to not only look at the scap. Some people probably go that far, but are they really assessing how the T
0: spine is moving and, how, and positioning there too? So I think that's a good point. So, Mar, just to segue a little bit, I, I got to imagine though that you. We'll probably see plenty of athletes who are symptomatic, but maybe things check out. Maybe their mobility is great, their their strength is great, their scapular positioning looks maybe perfectly symmetrical side to side. What are some other potential reasons for why someone could you know, present with a shoulder injury in this world?
2: Um, this tennis world. Yeah. So um, poor technique is a big is a big one. You know, even if they're they have the strength, they have the mobility, if they don't have the proper technique, that's going to be a big issue. And like we alluded to earlier, um, you want to look at ball toss, you want to be, you know, about 100 to 110 degrees arm maybe duction at contact. You want to look at the front knee flexion, making sure you're getting optimal leg drive um, to execute the serve. And then another really big one that is actually commonly, that I commonly see um, from players is early dropping of the, t- of the tossing arm. Um, And then early and exaggerated hip and trunk forward rotation. I know it's hard to imagine, but just imagine as you're contacting the ball, your hips and trunks are kind of moving prematurely, um, and that's going to cause a big load on the anterior shoulder, which can predispose the athlete to injury.
0: I think those are really good points because it would seem that this much like a lot of other sports, a lot of times you can correct things just with good coaching, right, before you even have mm-hmm. to dive into it and, and medicalize the issue, right? Um, so another good point, too, is, you know, mention the, the front knee flexion that's required, too. That's, that's a, 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 another reason to look at the whole person, right? So I would imagine that if you just looked at their shoulder, maybe shoulder and T-spine, you'd probably still be remiss if you didn't look at the whole picture, right, and look at the rest of the body.
2: Yeah, um, and I often um, – I often will try to communicate with the coach, have them, you know, take a video of their athlete serving, um, and then send it to me, and then just like evaluate that um, step by step to see what's going on there, um, and then also talk to the coach about their programming. Are they being over fatigued? Are they working out or training too much? Because that's another factor that um, can cause poor technique if the athlete is so just mentally. And physically um, exhausted, their technique is optimal is um, it will um
1: definitely will break down for sure and i think that it's interesting that i can't help but make the comparisons to baseball pretty much throughout this whole thing which is you know why you know this this population is so fun to treat uh, you mentioned essentially arm you know arm angle or arm slot during the during the actual follow-through which plays a role in baseball of course as well um the drive you know leg drive is such a huge portion especially when you're working with pitchers and making sure that they're using their body well or you know and then when you talked a little bit about dropping that front arm and almost having the body start to go in the arm lag behind Behind a little bit. That's a huge thing I'm working at, looking at with when, when people are throwing. Is where is the ball after they broke? They break their hands. Where is the ball and where is their arm when that front front foot recontacts the ground? Are they lagging behind? Is it something where their body is already going and their arms just not there yet? And their arms trying to play catch up. Mm-hmm. And so you know. And, and then of course overuse. Um, that's something we see especially in our adolescent population all the time. Is just people mm-hmm. doing so much throwing so i love that the comparisons here uh you know it really is across the board and a lot of these overhead sports
0: yeah yeah good point josh so mark i got a question for you are uh, are, are tennis parents in cyprus as crazy as baseball parents here in the south <laughs>
2: they are crazier <laughs> they are crazier probably uh that's, I mean, that's a worldwide thing <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> oh man yeah i mean well
2: <laughs> thankfully not my parents but
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, yeah, that's one of those things that I do not envy PTs in Cyprus either because uh, I feel like it's a constant yeah, struggle down yeah. here.
0: So, you know, diving into this just a little bit deeper, just you know, quick nuts and bolts of this. So, for the clinicians out there, you know, what what are just some key things that you're typically going to check? Just, just kind of maybe just kind of real brief about things that you're going to look at in terms of an assessment, right? You know, mobility, strength testing, maybe maybe even a couple special tests that kind of could fit into this, this cluster of findings.
2: Yep. So, like we said, we're going to look at. Um, main thing big things are range of motion internal rotation external rotation you know you can do that with your usual goniometer um you can do the push pull test the tyler test see where that limitation is coming from specifically look for that total rotational motion um observe the scapular position during the overhead motion i know there's a couple tests with that um scapular assistance test um that some people like to use, uh, and then look at rotator cuff muscle and scapular muscle strength. I think we often look a lot at rotator cuff muscle strength, but we miss um, looking at the scapular strength itself, which plays a big role in the serve. Um, Specifically, you know, the rhomboids, the serratus, those are big ones to look at. And then from there, uh, just palpating, Um, seeing if they have any tenderness um, you'll usually get posterior uh, joint line tenderness with internal impingement Mm
0: -hmm. awesome and so then you know for the the rest of the listeners out there people who might be playing tennis throwing a baseball something like that maybe they've had here some tweaky shoulders um, do you have some go-tos that you like for injury prevention right some you know things that kind of the 80 20 rule things that are probably good for people and help 80 percent of the time if not more
2: yeah so a lot of the athletes college athletes um high school athletes they you'll be surprised but they don't get enough strength training they don't get enough time in the weight room so what i like to do is just give them a few exercises they can plug into their warm-up it won't take any more time that they do um and that i i think that that would make a big difference and that for me is working on thoracic mobility so having that um thoracic rotations um working on um internal rotation range of motion working on external rotation strength a lot of that you can do with bands tying them to the um to the fence of the court and just work on that and really work on that in that 90 90 degree shoulder abduction position rather than down low since that's where um they'll be um executing the serve and then also work on that scapular muscle strength um with exercises um, scapio push-ups stuff like that
0: mm-hmm. gotcha see so, yeah, i mean that, that makes sense especially if you you have somebody who's currently not doing anything just the fact they're actually doing a warm-up on a consistent basis probably goes a long way right and then mm-hmm. having some specific targeted exercises towards these muscle groups that oh by the way some of these exercises also kind of look a little bit like a tennis serve as well too is probably going to be helpful
2: as well yeah for sure
0: so, uh, so Mara, um, I mean, this was this was great. I mean, very very good overview of this. Um, question I always ask the students after they present one of these is: Now that you've taken the time to to do this project and kind of dive into the research and everything that goes along with this, how do you feel like this has or will influence your future as a clinician?
2: I think what I found through this research and through you know my personal experience being an athlete, being a tennis player on court is that. Educating the coach is really the most important because they are, they are the first line of defense. You, they can look at, they can identify things, um, in the serve. They're the ones, you know, teaching the athlete, the technique. So I think as clinicians, we have the opportunity to, you know, reach out, communicate with their coaches, uh, provide them information of things they can look out for, like really simple things, um, and help them increase awareness to, to to, to identify the problem early on and then prevent the injury from happening, and letting that athlete have a long and good career in the future.
0: That's all. Awesome. That's so important, just for mm-hmm. any clinician and any sport too, is is to have that network of coaches and you know recognize that everybody's on the same team and can kind of work together as far as that goes, because that only benefits the, the patient in the end, and also benefits the, the coach and the clinician as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I got one more question for you. Okay, this is a little bit of a pop quiz. All right, so take a deep breath. So totally, totally hypothetical scenario. All right. Let's say you know you're you're you're, you're a practicing clinician you know you are now the go-to for overhead athletes right let's say you let's say you had a baseball player come in let's say maybe um this baseball player um was pro and you had to work on their throwing program right so you were going to go outside and you know you were going to be throwing with them multiple days a week now you know you played in college you you, you thought you, you thought you still had it but you know maybe one of those one of those baseballs got away from you and maybe you actually hit maybe happen. maybe it actually hit one of That's one of your neighbor's happen. cars like <laughs> right? didn't happen and maybe, maybe you played baseball at Dayton, um, and, and, and so that baseball—that oh. baseball actually hit a car at uh, one of the neighbors of your clinic. How would you how would you handle that situation? <laughs> call, so again, totally have to, call
1: your business. To, partner. Tell, tell <laughs> hey, first that off, we wrong. have to clarify this story. It was not my throw. My, I haven't overthrown in eight weeks. There's been zero other bad throws on my part. <laughs> that that
2: oh never happened. Oh my
1: goodness! Oh my goodness! I did what I thought. I did what I was supposed to do. I called you. <laughs> I was like, oh. Crap! <laughs> I didn't say crap, but let's. Oh my gosh!
0: Bro. Oh, good times. Uh, oh, well, gosh. hey, hey. Long story short um the the neighbor may actually be a future patient I so, I so we're able to spend that to gold yep. and um so that patient a, that's good is scenario. listening
1: of ours that that made that throw thank i guess thank you um yeah. but anyway
0: um so mara uh again i want to thank you again for for taking the time to come on this podcast and you know we're almost halfway through this clinical already i know things got kind of pushed back a little bit because of covid but we're making the most of it we're we're getting busy seeing a lot of people here um so so life is pretty good right now in the clinic um um, for all the listeners that might want to reach out to you, what is the best way to get in contact with you?
2: Um, yeah, uh, you can reach me through Instagram, uh, Mara, you, um or Twitter, same thing.
0: Cool, and we'll put that in the show notes as well, too. Mar, thanks again. Thanks, uh, Mara. Thank uh, you, guys. This is Better Faster Podcast. We're out. And one last thing, if you like the episode, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a five-star review. That way we can reach more people. And if you have any questions, a topic that you want us to cover, or maybe a person that you think we should interview, hit us up on Instagram, at BetterFasterPodcast. You can also keep up with updates on our physical therapy and strength and conditioning businesses by giving us follows, at VertexPT and at VertexStrength. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday.
2: This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialists. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.